This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for March 12, 2023. The title of the message is Everything for the Gospel. We come now to the reading and preaching of God's holy word. If you would open your Bibles with me then now to Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 18, we're continuing in our morning series, To Live as Christ, and you can follow along if you have a different translation or you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along on the bulletin or the slide behind me. Let's pray for God's Spirit to help us uh, to hear, to really hear, to really comprehend, to understand uh, His Word. Let's pray together. Lord, would you help us know your ways? Would you teach us in your paths? Would you lead us in your truth? Uh, Lord, for you are the God of our salvation. For you we wait all day long. We ask, O Lord, all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy word, beginning in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. May he add his blessing to it this morning. A young Peter O'Brien grew up in an average Australian home, which meant that his parents didn't go to church. There was a Christian lady who lived next door. She became a good friend to Peter's mother. She was a simple lady with a sincere and deep faith in Christ. Then one day she was diagnosed with an incurable disease and as a result ended up suffering day after day because of it. But she never complained. Uh, she had a, a deep hope and a joy uh, about her. Even though she suffered so horribly, uh, she didn't grow bitter or angry. She sung hymns. She prayed to the Lord. She had a smile on her face. And she saw the bigger picture. Now, that doesn't mean that she probably didn't struggle with it. But overall, uh, she trusted in the Lord. And it showed forth in her demeanor. Peter's mom was so moved by how she handled her suffering that it made her question everything. 
It made her question what her life was about, what life was all about in general, and the God that she loved and worshipped. How could someone who suffers so much be full of so much joy in a God she can't even see? Peter's mom was so moved by this woman's Christian testimony that she reconsidered it all. Paul said to the Romans that God uses everything in our lives for our good as well as his glory. And the question we have to ask ourselves is how can that be? How can God use everything in our lives for his glory and our good? This morning, Paul tells us uh, one way in which God can do that. That God can and does use everything, good and bad, in our lives, not only for our good in the bigger picture, but also for his greater glory. Here, Paul gives us a glimpse into what that means, not only for his own life, but for ours. So much so that even in the worst of circumstances, even when he is in chains, imprisoned by the Roman imperial guard, he can rejoice. Why? Because he knows that God uses everything in his life, not just for his good, but for his glory, for the advance of the gospel. And that's what Paul teaches us here. Like Paul, we can rejoice in everything that happens to us in our lives because God can and will use it for his glory in the furtherance of the gospel. So how does that happen? How does God use everything then for the advance of his gospel? How can we rejoice in everything the way Paul does? First, We can rejoice because God uses everything in our lives for the gospel. Paul is writing to the Philippian church here from a Roman prison. And beginning in verse 12, he tells us how God uses everything for the advancement of the gospel. Look at what he does here, beginning in verse 12. He uses our every circumstance for the gospel. Everything that happens to us. Look at what Paul says there. Paul tells the Philippians that what he wants them to know in in, in what's happening to him in this particular circumstance and in any other circumstance. Look at what he says. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, you you might be asking, how can Paul think such a thing? Isn't he an apostle? Isn't Isn't his ministry and mission to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles? Isn't he supposed to take the gospel to those who have never heard it? But here he is, hindered, uh, imprisoned in chains, uh, unable to go out into the Gentile nations, uh, go out, uh, unable to go out to, to evangelize people who've never heard the gospel. He can't leave his own house, let alone go to other lands. So what is Paul saying here? On the one hand, it looks like his ministry is all but done. All but done. He's, he can't go anywhere. He's in chains. He's imprisoned. But on the other hand, from a more God-centered perspective, trusting in a sovereign God who ordains all things to come to pass so that not even a hair on his head can fall without his divine permission, 
who knows the end from the beginning and everything in between, who has decreed all things whatsoever to come to pass, Paul says that his circumstances, what's happening to him, ultimately, really, truly is meant to serve the advance of the gospel. Why? Because God does everything for his own glory and the glory of his Son. And how does he do that? In the proclamation of the good news that Jesus Christ died and rose again, that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, Paul sees things not from an earthly, self-referential, self-centered perspective on his circumstances, but he sees things from a greater, God-centered, kingdom-oriented perspective in light of God's glory in the gospel. You see, see, I think you and I, we, when things happen to us, we only think about, we only frame what happens to us with respect to us. But what faith does is it opens the eyes of our hearts to see the fuller picture, the greater framework in which God exists, loves us, and is in sovereign control over everything that happens to us. And when we see everything in light of God's sovereign power and providence in our lives, everything takes on a completely different purpose. Bad things aren't so bad as we think they would be if God didn't love us. And good things are even better because God loves us. So because of this, Indeed, everything that Paul sees uh, in his life, everything that happens to him, all his circumstances, all things that are happening, is really serving the advance of the gospel. Because that is what God is all about. See, when you have this perspective, everything in one way or another will contribute to the glory of God somehow. It will contribute to the advance of the kingdom, the spread of the gospel somehow. We may not know exactly how, but it will. And Paul understands that. This also means that God can use our every hardship, not only every circumstance, but every hardship for the spread of the gospel. Look at verse 13. He kind of he uh, brings in a little bit more specifics and some of the results that arise from uh, his imprisonment. What others see as a hindrance to his ministry, Paul sees as an opportunity, right? Paul is imprisoned here, and look what he says then in, in verse 13. So that, why? Why? What's the purpose? What, what is God doing in his imprisonment? So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. He is a citizen of Rome under, I guess you could say, under a special uh, regimen of, of, of being arrested. He's not like, you know, he's not like other thieves and, and lawbreakers. He specifically asked to be tried 
as a citizen. And what that means then is that the Roman imperial guard, the Praetorian guard, are, are imprisoning him and he's under house arrest. And uh, in, if you know anything about the Praetorian guard, they were a force of about 9,000 soldiers, the elite forces of the Roman army, uh, uh, specifically under the command of Caesar. And they were the cream of the, uh, uh, of the crop. They were the, the best of the best. Uh, and, and so when word got out that, that uh, soldiers had to chain themselves to him, because that was a practice back then, they had to chain themselves to Paul uh, day and night. <laughs> Can you imagine being chained to an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, I, 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 I bet you, I bet you Paul shared the gospel with every single soldier that was chained to him. He, he had, you know, when, when the soldiers thought that he was captive, I think Paul turned it around for the gospel and had a captive audience for the gospel. And out of all the people who day after day, month after month, year after year, who were chained to him, uh, there were some who were converted. But at the very least, all of them, you can just imagine, all of them, you, have, you know, have you been chained to Paul yet? <laughs> Man, he's Jesus this, Jesus that. I wonder what, what it's all about, because that's why he's imprisoned. Man, he's sharing the gospel with all these soldiers who were then telling their, their fellow soldiers about their experience with Paul. And it's words getting around. You know, back then they didn't have uh, a social media and, and, and television. So they, they, there, was, uh, uh, there was gossip. Uh, there was... Um, uh, verbal news that they would tell each other. And so the whole Roman guard, the whole imperial Roman guard uh, heard about Paul. And then they probably went on to tell um, some of the other Roman so, uh, soldiers. And word probably got around. And, and it's all because Paul was arrested. He was imprisoned for the gospel. And he is turning that situation to advance the gospel. You see, God can use uh, not just our circumstances, but he can use our example for the advance of the gospel as well. Um, the gospel uh, not only goes to the imperial guards, but look at what he says, for the rest. Uh, and not just the rest, but his fellow Christians, and, and probably in Rome as well. Look at verse 14. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word, word without fear. Do you see that? Paul's imprisonment and Paul's ministry among the Roman guard under house arrest becomes an, an example that inspires his fellow Christians to go speak the gospel with boldness that they would not have otherwise been able to do had Paul not been imprisoned had Paul not been so bold under house arrest by Roman imperial guard. Uh, you just imagine Paul's fellow Christians. Man, Paul, Paul is in the worst situation that a Christian can find themselves in. And yet, look at what he's doing. He is so bold to preach the gospel to those praetorian guards chained to him. I mean, they could literally pull out a, a, a sword and kill him right there if they didn't like what he heard, what they heard. 
But Paul was so bold to share the gospel with them. And if Paul can be that bold with those who are chained to him, how much more bold can, can uh, our, the, the fellow brothers be who are not in chains, who can walk about freely in Rome, uh, who, aren't, who don't have soldiers uh, chained to them, who are going into the marketplaces, who are going to their workplaces, who are going to their families to share the gospel boldly. Why? Because they see Paul sharing the gospel boldly. And what that does then is that it inspires them not to waste their freedom, but to use it to spread the gospel. It's as if Paul's imprisonment jumpstarts a larger movement of missionary activity among believers. Here's my point. When we see everything in light of the glory of Christ, we will see how it serves the glory of Christ. There are so many examples like this in church history where God turns hardship and imprisonment and persecution into victory. How he turns trial and tribulation into triumph. Uh, when, he, when he uses doors, cl- one door to close in terms of an opportunity, there are so many other doors that can open. It reminds me of a story that I heard recently when I went to Philadelphia for um, a F- Committee on Foreign Missions meeting. Uh, I was told of Clarence Duff an OPC missionary to Ethiopia uh, who labored there for 20 years prior to World War II. II. And and it was hard going. He would go from village to village and there was very little fruit, very few converts. And then World War II began and he was forced to leave. And then he returned. He was able to return in God's providence 20 years later to resume his missionary labors. And thinking that he would have to start all over again, uh, he went and visited those same villages where no one would hear the gospel, no one would respond. And he found out that in each and every one of those villages, there were churches. Uh, There were vibrant communities of Christians. Uh, what had happened was the small group that, that had con- been converted under his ministry, under the, the mission that was there for 20 years, when he got kicked out, when they all got kicked out of Ethiopia, they went out and did what, what Clarence had taught them, to go out and to share the gospel, to do the work of evangelism. And over those 20 years, Lots of people came to faith. They did what Clarence could not do, and so that when he returned, he saw what God was doing even through uh, his being kicked out of Ethiopia. Friends, brothers and sisters, Paul can rejoice in his imprisonment because he saw everything through the lens of the events of the gospel. He wasn't defined by his circumstances. He wasn't defined by his successes or failures. He wasn't defined by what he could or couldn't do. He was defined by the mission of the gospel. He was defined by the great commission. He was defined to magnify the glory of God in all that he did. 
He was defined by his desire to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. He saw everything for the gospel because he saw everything through the gospel. If we see things only in reference to ourselves, uh, then we are going to be so myopic and short-sighted. We can't and will not see how God is going to work everything out for our good in his own glory. We can't experience the joy of seeing Jesus magnified in and through our circumstances. You see, Clarence Duff thought everything was lost when he had to leave Ethiopia. But God used it to advance the gospel. God used it to spread the gospel in a way that he could never have otherwise. And that's how we need to see everything in our lives, in our church, in our fellowship, in our families, in our workplaces. We, not, we may not be, each of us, ordained evangelists or, or pastors like myself or preachers, but like Paul, we are all called to be witnesses to the saving grace of Jesus Christ, to be witnesses of the gospel. We are all called to give an answer for the hope that we have in Christ. We are all called to go and make disciples of all nations individually and as a church family until Jesus returns. This can only happen when our joy is tied to the spread of the gospel. If our joy is bound up in our circumstances, then our joy will rise and fall with those circumstances. But if our joy is tied to the advance of the kingdom, and we know it is guaranteed that the kingdom will advance so that the glory of Christ will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea until Jesus returns, then it will never fall. It will only rise. It will only go. It would only spread. So that like James, we can count everything as joy. We can count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds. Friends, brothers and sisters, when, when the pandemic happened, when we had to uh, close our doors because we had all kinds of of uh, health codes and, and the government was shutting everything down. Uh, when, when we took a hit, and we're still feeling some of that, folks moved out of state, folks left our church for various reasons, and it was a blow to the work of, of ministry at our church. And I remember um, on my knees uh, up late at night wondering, Lord, what, what is going on? What's going to happen to our church? And I, and I thought to myself, Lord, would you? You know, I, I thought about, God, you, you can use everything for our good, even when we don't see it at the moment. And I think God is and still is going to work everything even the pandemic, even all the blows that we've experienced, all the, the obstacles, all the trials that we've experienced as a church and as individuals, that God is going to use it to advance the gospel. That we can indeed count it all joy. We can count it all joy as we experience things even like a pandemic. 
This brings us then to my second point. God can use everything that happens to us, including our every motive, right? Not only every circumstance, but every motive, whether good or bad, also for the advance of his kingdom. Look at verse 15. Beginning in verse 15, we see the different motives that people can have to preach the gospel, to share the gospel. Look at what he says there in verse 15. You can preach the gospel with bad motives, but still preach the gospel. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. They don't preach with pure motives. They preach because they're jealous of Paul, because they are envious of Paul. Uh, they don't want to see Paul, Paul uh, succeed. And so when he is in prison, they want to take advantage of that so that they can have the greater glory because Paul is hindered. They preach because they're jealous of him. And so they're, they're also, they also preach because they want to make a name for themselves out of selfish ambition. He goes on to say, and so look at verse 17. They proclaim Christ out of rivalry or jealousy, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. See, they even, they even preached the gospel to make Paul feel bad because he, that he can't preach. These are just, they, they have the worst of intentions. But Paul sees the greater picture of God using them to preach the gospel, to to advance the kingdom, even if they don't have the best of motives. Not only can you preach the gospel with mad motives, with bad motives, but you know, even better, you can preach the gospel, and you should preach the gospel with good motives. Look at what he says there in the second half of verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. And then he tells us what that goodwill is in verse 16, that the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. You see, they do it because they love the gospel. They do it because they, wanna, they love the Lord and they want to see his glory go out into the world. They do it because they love sinners and want to see them come to faith in Jesus Christ and be saved. They do it because they love the Apostle Paul and want to encourage him uh, in his in his imprisonment. They want to encourage him as they take up the mantle and continue the work of gospel ministry to the Gentiles. Let me point out just a few things here uh, for application. Paul prioritizes the message over the messenger. What matters most is the advance of the message over the character of the messenger. Now, it doesn't mean that the character of the messenger is, is unimportant. It just means that it is not absolute, that God can even use mixed characters. He can even use sinners. See, that's the point, that the gospel not only saves sinners by grace, but it goes out into the world through sinners saved by grace. Uh, I am so thankful that the preaching of the gospel is not based upon my character. Although it's important. I'm not saying I should, should uh, uh, not have good character, but, but I'm a sinner just like you, saved by grace. I have my flaws, 
I'm not perfect. I have mixed, uh, mixed uh, uh, motives in everything that I do, just like we all do. But God uses the preaching of Christ through sinners just like me. He can make straight lines with crooked sticks. And so Paul prioritizes the message over the messenger. Paul also shows us how to avoid envy and rivalry, not just in, in ministry and life, but in, but in our ministry and in our lives. Our motivations for everything we do should be out of goodwill and love for God and neighbor. If we don't have love, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, what does he say? He says we are a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. That we may have all kinds of gifts, but if we have not love, we are nothing and we gain nothing. Love was Paul's motivation for preaching the gospel because it was Christ's motiva- motivation uh, to, to, to save us in the gospel. That God sent Jesus to save us because he loved us. Jesus came into the world to save us uh, because he loved us. If we do things out of love, we won't do it out of envy and rivalry. We should also do everything because we care more about the glory of Christ than our own glory. See, this is what Paul is teaching us as he experiences all the people who are preaching out of bad intentions, out of bad motivations, out of envy and rivalry and selfish ambition. He is not denigrating them. He is not telling them, don't listen to them, because they probably are preaching the gospel, but, but from, from, a, from bad intentions. But what does Paul focus on? What does he rejoice in? Not that they're hurting him because they're, they're uh, uh, rivals of his ministry, but he rejoices in them, however flawed their ministry is, because Christ is being preached. The gospel is going out. That sinners are hearing uh, the gospel and it, they are being saved. That, that is informative for you and for me. Uh, we can fight jealousy. We can fight rivalry. I think all of us uh, fall into the pitfall of uh, comparing ourselves with others and feeling bad about ourselves or hating someone else because they do something better than us. Uh, they're they're uh, smarter than us. They are whatever it is. We can have envy and jealousy. And the remedy to that in the gospel is to humble ourselves, that Christ would be greater and we would be smaller, that we would find our joy, that the gospel is making headways in people's lives as well as ours, however little it may be, that when we see someone progress more and more in the Christian life, when they mature uh, far faster than we could ever mature, that God is doing a palpable work in their lives that we can only dream of in our own lives, the answer is not to get angry at them or angry at God. It is to say, praise the Lord. The gospel is going forth in their lives and bearing fruit. Lord, would you do that for me? Why? Because I care more about your glory, God's glory, 
their good than my own. Tony Merida says this, the way you overcome wicked jealousy is by caring more for Jesus' glory than your own. Let the glory of Christ be your chief concern. Avoid the sin of rivalry by caring for the glory of Jesus more than your own. Make it your ambition to make Christ known and not yourself. This is why even though Paul is in prison and in chains, he can say, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. This is how Paul could rejoice in everything, no matter the motivation of others, as long as Christ is proclaimed. As long as the gospel is going out uh, for sinners to hear and repent and believe. And the question is, why? Why? Why could Paul rejoice in everything? Because God uses everything for the, gloss, for the gospel. Peter O'Brien's mother, after witnessing her neighbor suffer with such hope and joy in the Lord, it impacted her so deeply that after she died, um, Peter's mother became a Christian. And because of that, Peter was raised in a Christian home under the, 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 the tutelage and the upbringing of a Christian, godly Christian mother to where he became a Christian. Peter later went on to go to seminary. He got a Ph.D. And he went on to become a missionary to India. He shared the gospel uh, to countless Indians he wrote countless commentaries and books on the gospel. He taught students who would go on to be ministers, missionaries, and teachers of the gospel who would go out into the whole world to see sinners come to faith in Jesus Christ. So that out of their ministry, countless people would come to faith. So many people are now hearing the gospel throughout the whole world, all because a Christian neighbor, a woman who loved the Lord and suffered horribly from an incurable disease, suffered trusting in the Lord with hope and joy. You see, God can use everything for the gospel even our suffering and other people's bad motives. And he can use you if you would obey him, if you would follow him, if you would trust in him. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come before you thankful, thankful that everything can be used for the gospel, whether good or bad. Help us to have that same perspective that whether, it's, whether in pretense or in truth, whether with good intentions or bad intentions, uh, we can rejoice because the gospel is going out into the world. Help us then to live in that same way. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.